Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Yeah, the hockey news just never ends around here. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, and yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Our NHL insider, Eric DeHatchek, will join us about 12.30. And of course, the big show starts at 1 o'clock. But first, let's talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Okay, Lou, I, I want to start this hit, hit on, a, on, a, on a good note. And sure. It's, it's like the 70s on Johnny Carson. I, uh, I brought a clip, so let's, let's roll the clip. And Muncie okay. crushes it. That one out to right center field. That one way back there. Look out! God, it's a grand slam, and it is all Dodgers. L.A. absolutely unloading in the first. Muncie will touch them all with the sacks pack. 11-0 in the first inning. I told you it was going to be okay. I told you, Lou. You, you did. You did. For one night, it was uh, more than okay. Oh, and sad. for one inning, it was... Uh, better than okay you know the pessimist in me as a sports fan will say maybe you should have saved some of those runs for the next (laughs) few games but um i was not the least bit disappointed at the early response and we'll see where it goes if mr kershaw can actually pitch tonight see if he's gonna play um you know the, the fascinating thing i can't even dislike the atlanta braves um, you know, and I have an even more difficult time of good Calgary product, Mike Soroka, and imagine the Braves' fortunes if he was available in this series. But even, you know, how can you not like Freddie Freeman, who a couple of years ago represented our country at the World Baseball Classic? So, um, you know, if the Dodgers were playing, I didn't like the Padres very much, and I certainly would have no trouble cheering against the Houston Astros. But uh, the Atlanta Braves are a team that, funny how things work, right, Kelly? Because for 100 years, they won division after division after division, and Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox and company um, in the same division as the Expos, who were always kind of my second favorite team after the Dodgers was not really a big Braves supporter back in the day, and now I feel like I'm cheering for the modern-day version of the Braves who yeah. win all these division titles but don't turn it into any world championships. And for the older crew uh, listening out there, you remember when the Braves were on WTBS, the Superstation, and we were yeah, force- Skip Curry. Yeah, we were force-fed Braves games. Yeah, Skip Curry with a call. Um, yeah. All right, let's get uh, back to hockey for a sec here. We... Uh, have some breaking news that just came across. Um, your thoughts. Uh, what are the Ottawa Senators up to? As uh, one of the guys on the board is no longer on the board as they uh, they sign Evgeny Dadnoff to a three-year contract. Your thoughts? Evgeny uh, Dadnoff, interesting story. Uh, the last two years has had two breakout years in Florida with the Panthers. And now the Senators who, listen, <laughs> When you have cap room and you start to do a really, really good job of, you know, building some high-end, top-end prospects, Kelly, isn't it interesting how quickly a team can go from the no-chance motel to, you know what, 
the keys are working again at the old hotel in Ottawa. <laughs> well, um, we're, we're, we're going to talk about this next, about the Canadian division. Right. And the guys in the afternoon yesterday were, were sla- especially Logan, was just slamming the potential to see the, the Ottawa Senators 700 times. It's like, well, hang on here. We got no, to- well, listen, like in the case of Dadnoff, so, you know, all of a sudden – it's it's becoming a better destination. Now, granted, I'm not going to tell you that all of a sudden, even if, and we'll get to this in a minute, about where I think that they might finish this coming season in the Canadian division, if indeed we end up with an all-Canadian division for 2021, or what I'm pretty sure will be 2021. I don't think we're going to see any NHL regular season hockey before 2020 comes to an end, but um, great get for Ottawa veteran player coming off two really, really good years. And, and Kelly, I like it twofold because anytime that you can make your team more competitive for today and in Ottawa, understanding that you are really starting to build this young arsenal of talent through you know, some high-end draft picks and some trades. Well, guess what a player like Dadanov gives you? He gives you a two-fold good, good um, asset, and that is you can plug him in and play right now, and he's going to make you way more competitive, which is always great for your group. And for some of your young people, like a Drake Batherson, for example, who I think has the potential, former Canadian World Junior star, to be a top six right winger or winger, well, now maybe you don't have to rush somebody into a slot in your lineup and put heaps and heaps of expectation before they're ready. So, you know, Ottawa's taken it in the teeth, but Pierre Dorian and company have really done a terrific job. They found themselves a goalie. They have a number three and a number five pick, of course, in Ottawa, Tim Stutzla breaks his hand. I mean, that's that's typical. That's typical Ottawa, and he had to undergo surgery. But um, you know, all of a sudden, the organization that looks like it had no clue, well, they seem to be back. And as long as Eugene Melnick, who I think I read somewhere yesterday, he's already calling for a Stanley Cup in four years. Eugene, I love you. You've done a lot of good things for hockey. Step away from the microphone. Yeah. Just let Pierre handle it and your hockey team handle it and sit back and enjoy. All right, Peter Klein, have you changed your stance on, on the Ottawa Senators? Because I, I heard you guys yesterday saying that would be the least promising matchup. Have you, have you changed your mind with this signing? I um, uh, it depends on how you you look at least promising. I thought it was very promising from a Flames perspective to op- have the opportunity to go ten and zero against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, this one might make it seven and three. Like I I like Dadnov a lot. He was someone who was on my best case scenario from a, a Flames perspective, and they are they are building a quality team for years down the road for next year. Yeah, it's still it's still going to be tough. I, I think for for Ottawa like. I like Dadnov, obviously, Shabbat, Kachuk. Um, those, those are guys who are worth the price of admission. If Matt Murray can get things figured out to where he was a couple of years ago, then th- they have some pieces there. But for the immediacy and, and for next season, 
this still isn't a great team, I don't think. And they still have a long way to go, but they are at least building in the right direction now. So all, all the credit in the world for, to, to Ottawa for doing that because a lot of teams don't necessarily do that all that well and get stuck in mediocrity for forever, but it's still a couple years away for the Sens for me. I guess the only guy that we know, guys, that is uh, jumping up and down has got to be our Flames uh, game night producer, Tim, the real deal Khalil. He must be ecstatic with this. Oh, well, he, well, I mean, he should be a lot happier. Yeah, because he's not you the know, happiest guy at the best of times, so maybe this will give him a little bit of glory. Maybe. Well, but you know what? The great thing about Timmy, after all the years that I've spent with him and what a pleasure it has been over the seven years that I've worked Flames hockey with him, is he loves his team, so he's very loyal. But he's never struck me as someone who wasn't a realist either. <laughs> exactly. But, but let's, let's face it. In any aspect, all you want is you want hope. See, as a sports fan, I can live with hitting the bottom. But at some point, somebody's got to convince me that the plan is going to lead to a better place. And like Mr. Klein... If I had to pick today, I'd still probably say in an all-Canadian division that in the upcoming year that the Ottawa Senators would probably, you know, have a very good chance to finish in the bottom. But, yeah. for, how much, but for how much longer? And, you know, that comes back again, guys, to a neat conversation that we had a couple weeks ago on the show, which today almost gives it a different chapter, is... So what matters the most to you? And, and is that really building and taking it on the chin for a while to, to try and become, you know, a Tampa Bay type where you're really knocking, legitimately knocking on the door year in and year out? Are you just happy to kind of be in the middle and that every year you feel like you have a chance? You know, or, or where do you sit? So, you know, if I'm Ottawa... Honestly, I'd be just fine, and even if it means that we're going to... There's a difference to me, gents, in sports, in struggling the same old way or actually seeing some like legitimate light at the end of the tunnel. Now, it still has to come together. You still have to play the games and, and all those things, but is anybody going to argue with me yeah. that things today don't look more promising than they did a couple they, years ago in they, Ottawa. Yeah, they had to give their fans something, and slowly but surely, because they've had lots of bad news, guys, in the Ooh. last few years. Goofy things have happened, and bad things have happened, and they've had to trade players and off-ice stuff. So this this is some good news if you're a Senators fan, if you're trying to sell season tickets when you get to do that, any of that kind of stuff. So that's the good news. And it was interesting yesterday, uh, listening to the comments of uh, Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley. Clearly, he <laughs> listens to Hockey Central at noon and gets his, uh, gets his scoop because he, he just couldn't you know, keep things under wraps. He talked Thanks, about Bill. the Canadian version or the Canadian division this year. I read that yesterday, Kelly, and I just broke out laughing. I'm like, Bill, like, could I pay you better to kind of set the table for – you know, leading to that. So if you missed it, yesterday, Bill Foley was part of an interview in, in Vegas. And again, read into it what you will. 
but he was asked about how difficult it might have been to lose Nate Schmidt, who, as we know, um, has been a very prominent player, who just a year ago they signed a big six-year deal with, and then, you know, Alex Petrangelo comes along, and they go, well, he's the best guy, and we have to have him, so we need to find a new home and move some money. Well, when the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights was asked about Nate Schmidt, is and about him oh how are you going to deal with him being in the same division going forward well bill may have just let the cat out of the bag and said well basically what do you mean he's going to be in the Cana- uh the canadian division what yeah so and, i yeah. saw that and i'm like okay well i mean again what what we talked about yesterday kelly we talked about i mean this is this has gotten a lot of smoke yeah. so I think it's I, I think it's I think it's going to happen, and you know what it looks like. And I'm even interested, in, and I, this is where I want all you guys to weigh in too. Is that you know in COVID times, I see great great reason borders how our government is. You know, for one year, I think it would be like absolutely fascinating. But then I've thought about it even deeper the last couple of weeks. And guess which team I'm letting in? All right. I'm letting in. Right. We're going to add to the all-Canadian division going forward, we're going to add the Seattle Kraken. What? Yeah, we're going to add Seattle because we we have a natural rivalry with Vancouver. And the other thing that excites me about that is, guess what? Seattle, with where the league is and money and a flat cap, what do you think the chances are that – now, I'm not saying they're going to be Vegas in year one, but they're going to be – they're not going to be what we've come to know in sports as an expansion team. There's just no way. They're going to be way better. They're just going to have too too much ability to put together a pretty good roster based on what's going to be available to them. And all that the flat cap is doing – is adding in some way, shape, or form to that cause. So I honestly, I think it would be incredibly neat this coming year, and and maybe you guys completely disagree, and that's fine, and I'm not sure we're going to get there. But, you know, just watching how things have played out in sports lately, how do we... Kelly, do we, and I'll ask you this right off the top. Do we need to change our thinking? And what I mean by that is Tuesday nights in the NHL schedule um, with Buffalo. And and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, listen, Buffalo is going to be, they're going to get better too. And so are other teams. But what I keep finding now is like, wouldn't you want to have the Edmonton Oilers or the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs to look forward to more often? And yeah. certainly in terms of interest and like selling your building, you know, to fans when we get back to that point. I, I don't know. I th- like, yeah, I, I think you're right. And here's here's the, the opposite of that, or actually maybe more fuel for your fire, because there's a there's a cause and effect to that. So what that means is, okay, Calgary's not going to go to Madison Square Garden, so, oh, the Rangers are just going to have to play Montreal or the Islanders again 
or somebody that they really have a rivalry with. I think the American teams would eat this up if they don't have to have the Canadian teams coming down there all the time. I think, you know, there'd be a few different ones, but I think I think this would be it might work so well that you couldn't change it. See, I'm 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 kind of with you. I I'm kind of with you. You know, when I think about you know, fans and what matters and what gets what gets people excited. The one thing I would say is I think sports all the time, and Kelly, you get the feedback every day. Um, I just get the sense more and more that sports is becoming about your own team, and that's what you care about the most. And I don't think it stretches out necessarily the same way that it used to. So, again, how do I take care of my fan base, make it more interesting? Um, you know, and again, I'm not saying that it has to be, like, let's say Seattle comes along and you have this new division. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be even completely balanced within the framework of it, in a sense, when I'm talking about playing other teams in other divisions. You know, you could get to a number where you play, you know, if that's a division that becomes eight, could you play everybody in your own division, you know, six or seven times to get to 42 or 44 out of 82 Yeah, and go from there? Like, I just, you know... And, and the other thing that's exciting, Kelly, for me, because I'm, cra- I'm very interested on what the young guys think, because in so, so many ways, forget about us. You know, they're kind of the future of what they want to see or what appeals to them. And as much as I like to go on the radio and I get to every day, I'm always curious, you know, taking inventory of, of others. But sports in its own way for me, um, and even some of the television numbers lately from the different events, like how do you make sports more special? Because it's like we have so much now to feast on that what, you know, what is special? And even last season, you know, the Battle of Alberta, well, that was special. And the reason it was special is because it didn't feel like all the other games. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Peter, you jump in here. What do you, what do you think of this uh, crazy, out-of-control idea? <laughs> well, um, I, I like the Seattle inclusion of it. It could just be the to, to steal from a, a certain basketball team I may appreciate. The We the North division, when we include Seattle. And just, yeah, they're north enough. It's fine. Um, but I, I actually, I, I don't mind it. And I, I said at the end of the segment yesterday, like, let's, let's keep an open mind to this. If and probably when this thing does happen for this weird upcoming season that we have, there's a chance this doesn't suck. And that, okay, let's... Let's just keep this thing going. I do think you still have to have every team play every team at least once in each spot This um, as when you can travel again. Because I do think it's important for, say, Connor McDavid to play at Madison Square Garden and for Austin Matthews to play in Arizona and to, to see those types of things just to, to help grow the game a little bit more and give the, the fine folks at NBC um, so, some ratings that they might like. But no, I, I like the idea of this kind of a thing and it's i i my my one concern is that the the battle of alberta this year was different than any other games that the flames had on the schedule 
I, I just I would caution against too much of it. You know, like um, yeah, that's and, fair. And, and, like with, with having six games, like that's that is fine. If we start to get into the eight category, it's getting a little much. And my my example for that is Yankees Red Sox. There was a time when I was growing up watching baseball. That was the thing in all of baseball. And then they changed the schedule, and the Red Sox and Yankees played nineteen times, and all of a sudden it lost its luster a little bit. And so I, I think there is a fine balance to walk of, okay, this is awesome. Let's have more of it. But then all of a sudden that takes some of the specialness away. I think if you can still walk that line, I, I have no problem with this idea. Logo. See, Let's yeah, go ahead, Logan. Yeah. Are you in? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I kind of fall where, where uh, Peter Klein does a bit that I think there's room for more than just the once a year sampling that we're used to in regular times of, uh, you know, the Toronto, the Montreal, the the one-offs. I think there's definitely room for for more of that, but there is something about the the rarity of it and the you know the sense that this is your one or or two opportunities to see that team once a year in your building and get that atmosphere that I think could potentially rub off by, by seeing them too much. I mean, it could create new opportunities and new rivalries and things that we haven't seen. I think there's definitely room for more of it, but there is something about the the rarity of it, even though it's every year, you know, once or twice is is still those special nights that you look forward to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, I, now I'm going to ask the next question. Because right. I think it's really important and I think it applies. And if, if I got to run, you, you tell me because you guys are in control. Okay, so I think more and more in the world of watching sports, which I believe has become very fantasy in nature, meaning that there's a lot of focus on individuals and individual stars and selling the stars. See, personally for me, I will give up seeing some of the best players in the league if when I go to the rink every night or more often than not, like guys, I love rivalry and the battle amongst teams. That's what I personally crave. But I get the sense now from a lot of people in the younger generation with more of a, a fantasy approach to sports and looking at it and evaluating it that, you know, you're right. The, the balance that you have to try and strike is, you know, what are you willing to give up? Yeah. And, like, I, listen, you can't give me enough of rivalry games that are passionate, that have a lot on the line. I'll, I'll give that up. I'll, I'll give the odd viewing of one of the league's best players up any time. But that's, but that's just me. You know, that's, that's how mm -hmm. I feel. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about international sports because in international sports, rarely are you necessarily cheering for a player. You're cheering for a country. Yeah, you are. But I think in some ways I might be now more than ever in the minority. And I think the Canadian division and what that would become, actually this morphs into whether you'd want it or not, because I think that applies. I think the other piece to it, uh, Lou, you talk about fantasy, and it's huge in the NFL, you know, lesser, obviously, with hockey, and, and baseball's pretty big. 
The other piece to it, especially in this country, once things get approved, and I, I hear it's it's sooner than later, is when that one game sports betting takes off, and and that, you know, how how passionate Canadians are, um, you know, there's a reason why the NFL puts out their injury report every week and right. tells you specifically what the injuries are, uh, where the NHL doesn't. I think that's the other piece to that. That you know. Uh, it won't be just for the love of sport when you've got, you know, you know, 50 bucks, whatever it is on, on a game mm-hmm. on, on a Tuesday night, you better believe you're going to watch that thing start to finish. Yeah, I don't disagree. And then there's a lot of people who are in management positions that, you know, think that that already has changed the world and is going to continue to change the world in in how we look at sports and why we watch and, and why we're interested. And at this point in time, uh, while it's not my cup of tea, I, I believe that 100%. I really do. Okay. Well, we're going to uh, leave the Western Hockey League for tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday, so we'll have a chat with uh, Lou again. So enjoy your Thursday. Uh, enjoy the baseball, and we'll talk tomorrow. Thanks for the chat, guys. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It is Hockey Central at noon. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein making way for the big show coming up at 1 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are live today as we are every day from the Iconic Studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. People first. It's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. Take a break. Get our NHL insider, Eric Dehatchek. We'll, we'll get him to update us on what he thinks of the, uh, the big news out of Ottawa. See what he thinks about this Canadian division craziness and a few other things as well. Hockey Central at noon continues. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. He's our NHL insider. He's Eric Dehatchuk. And we just got the the breaking news come across uh, just before we started the show as the Ottawa Senators were busy in the uh, free agency market. As uh, they've made a, a deal, a three-year contract to uh, forward Avengi Dadnoff. Your thoughts on on the player and maybe what Ottawa is doing short term and long term right now? Well, I, you know, in my mind, you know, Dadnoff, they, they presumably hope will give them what uh, what Duclair gave them last year. Um, you know, someone who could score twenty plus goals and be a good complementary player as they try to get to the sort of their next generation. I mean, they, they've done a really nice job of putting young uh, prospects into the organization, but let's not be, you know, uh, confuse those uh, kids with, with NHL-ready players. You know, as, as good as Stutzley is going to be, you know, as good as Sanderson is going to be, these, these players are, are probably a couple of years away from, um, from making it to the NHL and then another year or two before they make uh, an impact. So you have to be patient when you're, when you're uh, doing that scorched earth kind of rebuild that, that Ottawa is having. But you also have to have 
NHL players, right? So, you know, in terms of the way the, the you know, the, the league finances are, you know, Ottawa is one of the very few teams that is, that actually needs to get to the floor of the salary cap. This will help them do that. And then Dadnoff is someone that is at that stage of his career where three years is probably just the right amount of time. You know, he should be a, you know, potentially, a, you know, a team that isn't going to score a lot. Like he may be a 30 goal scorer. He could be their leading goal scorer because he is a good finisher. He played a lot last year with, uh, with Barkov in, in Florida. I don't think he's necessarily a player that drives play, uh, but I think that he's a good complementary piece and, you know, and, and short and even medium term, Ottawa needs that. We're chatting with Eric Tehachek right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. He's our NHL insider. We, uh, we've been talking around this idea, and I don't know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And in sports radio, that's good enough for us. This Canadian division idea for the NHL when they start up, if they start up in January, February, March, whatever, with a, with a shortened season. And, and now, you know, people sort of kicked it around, and I think for a one-off, I think people are kind of excited about it. What do you, what do you think of... A, the, the chances of this actually happening, and B, what it would look like for, you know, the Canadian teams just to play each other for a season. Yeah, well, so a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, like I've written about it twice extensively uh, already this year. Once back in January uh, in the aftermath of a Winnipeg-Toronto game, which was just like a war, and, and Paul Maurice was talking about how much more fun it would be to, to just see Canadian teams more frequently. So I kind of reimagined the NHL, this is pre-COVID, uh, as having a Canadian division and how you could actually pull that off. And then basically I think my conclusion was that, that it's difficult to do because the teams in the East, because of time zone constraints and, and, and television requirements, would be against it. So it was more of a blue-skying exercise in, in, you know, like in what possibly could happen. But in August, um, after the, you know, the play-in round was over and they were into the, uh, you know, the, the first official playoff round, you know, I made the, the point that, you know, that eight teams have been eliminated, another eight are going out soon. And so that's going to mean, you know, that two-thirds of the National Hockey League is on the sidelines. And what does next, next year look uh, like? And I did do a little bit of reporting at the time. And one of the things that, was, that, that came up at that point, so this was the third week of August, was the idea that if these border closures remain the way they are, and, you know, at that point it, it didn't look as if anything was going to be relaxed, you would have to look at it as, as a real possibility. And, and, you know, again, just in terms of the reporting I did and the people that I spoke to, you know, they were imagining situations where, you know, you'd have to start in a bubble and then, you know, hopefully, you know, move down that path towards fans. But the one thing that they were clear on was that, you know, like if, if you eventually put teams on the road, the idea of going back and forth across the border constantly just, just made no sense. You know, they just... The world wasn't changing fast enough to anticipate a return to normal. Um, and that one was less of a blue skying exercise as a, this is, you know, like something that they may practically have to, to look at. And, and my understanding has been, you know, throughout, you know, from that time on, which when it was being discussed internally till the N in the NHL to Bill Foley basically blurting it out on, on the radio a couple of days ago, that, that that is one of the things that they've been looking at. So we're, you know, that's two months ago, right? And, uh, and I don't think that they have come up with anything definitive. They, 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 they're going to be monitoring, monitoring, monitoring these, these next two months. But, but as they consider possibilities, this is one that has a lot of support internally. And, and it's, it, it's largely because you can, you can craft, you know, three 
18 U.S. divisions very easily into sort of geographic quadrants. And then, you know, then you have the issue in Canada. You know, you have teams, you know, on the, on the West Coast and you have teams in Ontario. And so, you know, there's a three-hour time difference between Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal and Vancouver, and that creates havoc with the television schedule. But if you begin without fans and if television networks are the ones that have the, you know, the primary say in, in how the next season looks like, it's doable. And, and, you know, the way the, the, the logistics of it, as it was outlined to me, is like if you're the Calgary Flames, you'll go on a trip <clears throat> east and, and you'll play back-to-back. So you'll play doubleheaders. It'll be, you know, you're in Toronto on a, on a Friday and a Saturday, and you might get a rest day, and maybe you'll play two games against Ottawa, and then you come home and you have a week at home, and then, you know, you hit next time you go east, you hit Winnipeg on the way out, and you catch Montreal and you come back. And so it's not... It's not ideal, but in, in terms of the, the logistics of, of, of flights, you know, Calgary-Toronto is three and a half hours, you know, so and Calgary to Los Angeles is two hours and, and 45 minutes. So it, you don't put more of a wear and tear on players necessarily by having to go east-west. It's, you know, the, the time zones just don't align for television. Otherwise, everything is fine. So I guess that's a long way of saying I think it's a good idea. I've been on this bandwagon for a long time, and I think there's a very realistic possibility that it could happen. Yeah, I guess, you know, some of the things that, are, that aren't that are great about it is that you're not going to see some of the great players. You know, like if you're in the States, you're not going to see Connor McDavid, but that's just for one year. I think people can live with it, and that might make people tune into games a little more than maybe they, they would normally do. It'd be interesting to see how this all goes. And I, and I think, and I told Lubo, I think, if you look at the New York Rangers or the LA Kings or, you know, those California teams, they, they can get pretty creative with what they do down there as well. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there was a period of time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when, when the way the NHL schedule teams was that, you know, they, they wanted to put a, a focus on divisional rivalries uh, and, and then regional rivalries. And it meant that, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins would, you, you, the Flames would play Pittsburgh once a year, but it would be on an alternating basis. So one year they would go to Pittsburgh and the next year they would come here. So that was at the, at the point where Sidney Crosby was just starting to break into the National Hockey League. And, you know, your chances of seeing Sidney Crosby were once every two years. And then, you know, he had that, you know, those series of concussions early in, in his career. And, and, you know, you could go sometimes four years without seeing Sidney Crosby. And there was an across-the-board backlash against that. So they revamped the scheduling again so that you played every team in the league, home and home, and then, you know, you fit the rest of the divisional and, and uh, conference rivals around that. And that, I think that that is the preferred template for a schedule going forward. Now, you know, this is a year where, you know, that you have to deal with the, the consequences of a, of a worldwide pandemic. And, and, and so, you know, they really don't have any choices. So, you know, they're, they're kind of being pushed into this. And I think that, that reasonable people, you know, that are listening to the station or the, that read my columns will understand that, yeah, it is too bad that this one year you're not going to see the, the great stars that, that play in the U.S. It does mean you'll get a chance to see, you know, the, the great stars from Canadian teams more often. And as long as it's just a one-off, which is really all they're talking about right now. This is, it's not as if this is going to open the door for a permanent realignment. This is simply a way of getting through 
what promised to be yeah. a very challenging year going forward. Um, I, I think everyone's going to be able to live with it. You know, there's they're good and bad. You see Toronto more, you see Montreal more. Um, you know, I think Winnipeg's going to be a great team to watch. Um, the games against Edmonton this past year uh, were fantastic in terms of the rivalry being renewed. And then, of course, now that Markstrom and, and Tanev are in, are in Calgary, I think that that rivalry with Vancouver will uh, up, you know, be a little bit more intense than, than it might have been in the last couple of years. So, you know, what, what do you do, Kelly? Like, you have to make the best of a, of a difficult situation. And I think that this is a, this is a good alternative. Eric Dehatchuk is our guest. He is our NHL insider here on Hockey Central at Noon. We're joined by Peter Klein. Peter. Uh, a lot of the focus with this, obviously, is next year because of that pesky little border thing. Uh, you, you talked about having this idea for a while. How sustainable do you think an all-Canadian division could be when we can travel freely across North America again? Yeah. Well, so again, I'll separate, you know, like my personal bias and, and what I and, and what the, the National Hockey League is thinking. The NHL doesn't want it. You know, it, it just doesn't work for them. It, it has to do with start times so, and and uh, and primarily television viewership numbers. So, you know, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're coming west constantly over the course of this this upcoming season, there are two options. One is you start the games early in, in Calgary, Vancouver and Edmonton, and that's fine on the weekend games. I mean, when the Flames first arrive here the you know the Saturday home games were at six o'clock at night and a lot of people loved that um, but weekdays it becomes a problem so if you start something that's perfect for the television audiences in Toronto uh, it, it's too early for people in Calgary people are at work they can't get to the the dome for a five o'clock start now again if 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 you're playing without fans it's it's not as big an issue uh, but but you know the, the hope is that at some point during this season even as, as a shortened season the fans do get back in the building so you have to make it uh, you know, convenient for the ticket buying public. They're, they're, they're going to be asked to pay an awful lot of money in the beginning to get back and watch these games. So you better make sure that the time uh, suits them. So, so no, I, I don't, I don't see it as a, as a long-term uh, viable thing. Just because I know how the powers that be at the NHL think personally. I would I would try to work around it. I, I love the idea of it. And, and again, when, when you're talking about an 82-game schedule at a point where there is no issues with, with border crossing, you would simply have uh, you know, the, the, what you would consider to be a, a normal divisional rivalry. So like four home and away. It's not like they'd be coming out here 14 times, uh, you know, to play, play them 14 times. It would be eight. Or t- I think it's workable. But I just know that, uh, you know, I've been on the soapbox off and on for you know, a big part of my sports writing career. And I just know that whenever I've had those discussions with, you know, the commissioner and, and the people that make these decisions, it's like, nah, you know, sounds good in theory, but we're not going down that path. So I, I don't think it's going to happen um, as a as a long-term solution. But I think that, you know, in the same way that the, the whole bubble tournament and the play-in round, as a novelty, I think, appealed to a lot of people. Like, in the beginning, people cared about hockey. Towards the end, I see the Stanley Cup final ratings were terrible. But when it was 24 teams and when it was 16 teams, there was an interest. And it was because of the novelty of it. I'm convinced of it. And I, I do think that that's the one thing that, that will, will help uh, get the idea uh, past people that don't love it. You know, it's a one-off. We're not doing this permanently. And people like something new and fresh and so i think that's part of the sales job that they're doing internally at the nhl i think a lot of people who who might have resisted or been on the fence they're they're starting to come around on it um 
Last one from me. Well, one of the the news, uh, big news items of the day is Joe Thornton uh, joining HC Davos. It's not ruling out an NHL return, um, as he said. He certainly plans on doing that when there is a National Hockey League again. But do you think we'll start to see a few more players uh, dip into this market? Well, we've seen some younger guys, but now do you think maybe we see a few more established players do this just to stay fresh during the pandemic? And Eric, you you predicted this a long time ago because you knew there was a connection with Joe and and over there, right? Sure, yeah. Well, no, exactly. I mean, so, you know, as, as Kelly, as you know, I've told this story before, but for anyone that doesn't remember it, so it, it, I, I spent three days in Davos in 2000, 2004, 2005 lockout with Joe Thornton and Rick Nash, who had gone over there to play and wrote, you know, a series of articles about it, had a really good time, hung out with them a little bit, and... Um, and, 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 you know, Joe met his wife during that year and they married and they, you know, you know, his, his children, you know, are, you know, they're, they're Swiss Canadian. And so, you know, the family spends time in, in, in Switzerland every summer in the off season um, so that, you know, that, the, you know, the, that Thornton's kids can be with their grandparents. And, and Joe and I have talked about it lots over the years. Uh, the, the, my feeling has, has always been that he would probably play the last one or two years of his career in, in Switzerland. You know, the, they, they have, the, you know, that's his home away from home, and uh, that's where his wife is from. And, uh, and he went, so he played in Davos during that lockout. He played in Davos during the, the subsequent lockout. And, and then, so it doesn't surprise me that he's doing this, but I would, hesitate, I, I would be reluctant to say that this is going to be a common practice. This is more because of his personal ties to, to that franchise and, and, to, and to that country. And so, um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be good if, 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 if more players um, went down that path. I don't see it happening. Um, and I think that Joe is also cognizant of the fact that, um, that his NHL opportunities might be running out. Uh, you know, he's somebody that we've often joked that, you know, he'll play as long as Chris Chelios did. He, he's a hockey lifer, loves the game. There's nothing he likes more than, than going to the rink, hanging out with teammates, playing the game. I don't, you know, lots of players, when they get into that twilight stage of their career, are starting to think about their next, next act. I, I think as far as I could tell, you know, like Joe's still got that, the eye on the playing ball. Until someone tells him he can't play, he's going to keep playing. So it uh, should be fun. Uh, and, and, you know, like, again, you know, if I was someone that could wave a magic wand and place Joe Thornton on one NHL team for one more year, it would be Toronto. And I know then all of a sudden now you've got Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, two aging guys who are well past their prime. I think he can contribute in a in a limited role. I think he's fa- still fabulous on the half boards on on the power play. The best vision of any player of his generation in terms of being a, a set up guy. And uh, you know when you look at at that Toronto team, you know you know I'm sure he'd, he'd be like Marlowe's. He'd play for peanuts. It's not the money at this stage of the game. It's one more crack at winning a Stanley Cup. I think he's from St. Thomas, Ontario, so it would it's his de facto hometown team. It it would be really it'd be a good storybook finish to his career and I also think that he could contribute something you know like Toronto's not going to sign him just as a sentimental gesture they would only sign him if they thought that he could contribute something but I think he's still capable of doing that in a limited role it's it's not Joe Thornton you know defined number one center big strong guy like he used to be Um, but I think both he and Jason still have something to give and uh, and that would be a really good landing place for him. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of those teams, if if the uh, schedule, Eric, is as compacted as maybe we're thinking it is, you, you might need guys you can kind of sling in and sling out that are going to be okay to be in the press box, maybe, you know, one out of out of three games or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how that all uh, 
all transpires. I guess we will talk to you on Tuesday. I can't believe it's Thursday already, but it is. <laughs> and uh, so we will talk to you on Tuesday, my friend. All right. Thank you. There we go. Eric Tehachik. As uh, he joins us uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on Hockey Central at noon. Tomorrow is Friday, which means your chance to win tickets and treats. Our combo pack from our great partners at Landmark Cinemas. This gets you two tickets to the movies, two popcorns, and two drinks. Sets you right up perfectly. Uh, Boomer's got one to give away tomorrow morning, and then the guys in the afternoon on the big show will do the same. Uh, you can double your chances by win- to win by if you can just do it simply as just going to the website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. And uh, you can be part of Sportsnet Nation and win, win, win. If you want to know what movies are coming and when they're playing, check out Landmark's movie lineup. You can purchase tickets at landmarkcinemas.com slash showtimes. They'll tell you the uh, the theater, what's playing, when, what kind of theater it's at, all that kind of stuff. I went ah, a couple of weeks ago, and it was I wasn't sure. I hadn't been to a movie in a long time. Uh, you know, with COVID and all that kind of stuff, and they just took amazing care. They thought of everything. I felt completely safe, and it's my plan to uh, check it out on Saturday. So I uh, recommend that big winning come on tomorrow right here on Sportsnet 960. We'll take a break and set up the big show next.